Kaui Baumhofer was 28 years old when she moved to Boston. She grew up in Aiea and wanted to dedicate her life to improving health care for Native Hawaiians. She'd gone to school in California and Michigan, but the final leg of her journey was pursuing a Ph.D. at Harvard University. I remember flying into Logan and going over the Boston Harbor and thinking about the connection to Hawaii. Kaui went to high school at Punahou, which was started by missionaries from New England. So the shared history between Boston and Hawaii, as complicated as it is, made her feel somehow tied to home. These waters like connected this city and Hawaii and flying over and seeing that water made me think about home and made me think about, you know, these waters are going to bring me home. Being in Boston was tough. It was so hard and I was academically struggling and I was lonely and it was cold and I was living in this tiny little apartment. It was rough and I started thinking about maybe this was a mistake. So her mom had an idea. So she knew that I was having a hard time and had this little idea to make an Excel spreadsheet of all the Native Hawaiian women that her and her friends could kind of think of that had PhDs. Her mom is a social worker, so she reached out to a bunch of contacts and they made a list of Native Hawaiian women who had earned this high academic distinction. And they sent it to me and... Oh, I'm going to cry again. <laughs> um, I remember my mom, you know, telling me, look at this list that you're going to belong to. And you're like a little rare Eevee bird that, you know, you flew away. <laughs> and you're going to come home and, and look at this list that you're going to be on. Kau'i stayed, and she added her name to that list. But coming home and serving her people after her time away from the islands would prove harder than she'd ever expected. From Honolulu Civil Beat, this is Offshore, stories from Hawaii. I'm Ku'u Ka'uanoi. This is the last episode of our fourth season, Far From Home. We've traveled all around the world, from the streets of Macau to the Virginian battlefields of the American Civil War. We've been through the gold rush and the vaudeville boom, and we've shared the eye-opening stories of Native Hawaiians abroad. All of us experiencing what it means to be Hawaiian in this world. But we have one more stop, one more place on this voyage of unpacking Native Hawaiian diaspora and identity. We're going home to Hawaii. It's a long trip to get to the islands, no matter where you've been. But for Kaui and many other Hawaiians who have left over the centuries and returned, the biggest challenge isn't the miles. It isn't the length of the flight or the sail. It's the journey it takes to get back to your culture and a feeling of home. And coming home, isn't always as easy as you would hope or expect. Oh, I'll show you the new, um, if you haven't seen it, 
I'm in the, the A building with the administration, which I also like to call Fort Knox. That's Kauai Baumhofer again. She's walking around the University of Hawaii at West Oahu, where she currently teaches Hawaiian and Indigenous health and healing. Pursuing her doctorate in population health sciences took her to colleges all over the mainland. But her goal was always to come back to Hawaii. There was never a question in my mind about coming home. And it was, go, get what I need to do, and like come home as soon as possible because I really missed Hawaii. Her family has lived in the same part of Oahu for generations. And as a native Hawaiian, she feels an intense connection to the Aina. I have a lot of people always asking me, you know, what my favorite hike is, like, as a hiker. And it's, I tell them it's Ayalu Trail. And people are like, what? Like, why? It's like this kind of mosquito, you know, like, ridden, <laughs> random little trail. But there are trees on that trail that I have literally grown up with. You know, like, they're my friends. <laughs> like, there's trees that I visit. And I know that's kind of dorky, but, like, uh, that's, you know, that's, I think that's part of, you know, that indigenous identity is... I have trees that I've been friends with for 30 years. Like, that's part of being Indigenous. That's that continuity of the relationship with the land. Kauai spent years on the mainland studying because she felt a really strong calling to improve health outcomes here. She used to work as a research coordinator for a drug and alcohol treatment center. Being in that job really made me realize the root causes of a lot of the health disparities that Hawaiians are, are facing. You know, they have the same root cause, and it's really like what's happened to our islands. She wanted to bridge the gaps between traditional approaches to health issues and this missing cultural piece. But mentors told her she needed to go study on the mainland since Hawaii didn't offer the programs she was looking for. Hawaii will be here when you return, they said. But after all her time away, when she came back, there was something weird, you know, something a little off. And I think a lot of it was this feeling that I was different. Hawaii was different and I was different. I was starting to get feedback from people um, in the community that maybe I didn't belong anymore, that I had been gone too long. Um, You know, why did you have to go to the East Coast? Was UH not good enough for you? Um, And and the interesting thing was, uh, you know, this... This wasn't really coming from non-Hawaiians. It was actually a lot coming from the Hawaiian community that, no, basically, you're, you're Holly now. She'd left to better serve her people. And now those same people were telling her she didn't belong, that she wasn't Hawaiian enough. That sucked. It took a few years for her to regain her confidence in her own identity as a Hawaiian. And ultimately, it came back to that strong connection to the Aina that she's always had, to that trail in Aiea. Going on the trails and getting back into running on Aiea Loop Trail and visiting the, the, the trees that I've known my whole life, that kind of made me realize, like, oh no, I am this community. And, and this is my home, and this is, this is my Aina, and that's it. I am as Hawaiian as I need to be, I am as much a part of this community as I need to be. Um, it took me coming coming back and having the land remind me of my continuity in this place and my family's continuity in, in this place, in this moku and in this ahupua, to realize that none of, none of what other people were saying mattered about my education or, you know, me going away or anything. All that mattered was 
I have trees that I've been friends with for 30 years, and that's what matters. Kaui now brings her students on that Aiea hike. One day, she started talking to them about these feelings of not being Hawaiian enough. I had just assumed that these students would not feel that way. You know, they were they were younger than me. They were, you know, very much in a time where being Hawaiian is like super celebrated. To her surprise, even though many of the students went to charter schools and grew up speaking Hawaiian, a lot of them struggled with this. And so to hear, you know, these students say, I don't feel Hawaiian enough, my mind was just blown. And I thought, God, this is a problem, you know, like I thought it was just just, you know, me and some of the older folks, right, who kind of grew up in a time where we really had to seek out Hawaiian language and Hawaiian culture. Kaui had to figure out how to reconnect with her sense of self as a Hawaiian after being away for years. Now, she helps students with a different kind of homecoming. Helping students to understand that, you know, we're existing as Indigenous people in a foreign environment in our own homeland um, is, I think, part of that kind of healing process. Helping kids connect the dots about why they don't feel Hawaiian enough is now part of her life purpose. That's the whole reason why I went away, so I could come home and help young people in Hawaii connect those dots. Because I think a lot of us Hawaiians, like, we feel that pain. I really connected with Kaui and her struggles. Because my own struggles with what it means to be Hawaiian, with coming home, it's why I wanted to work on this season. When I was in New York, I knew I didn't belong there. I really felt like I was meant to be at home in Hawaii. My flight back home was long. I didn't sleep at all over the 11 hours. I've got a big family, and coming down the escalators to baggage claim, I could hear them before I even turned the corner. My heart was so full, I saw my little sisters and hugged them and kissed them. I wouldn't let them go. In that moment, it really solidified for me that they were my reasons for returning. As soon as I moved back, I had a renewed energy for working and getting to know my community and my culture. And I tried to do it in my own way. I read so many books about Hawaii's history, our ali'i, our stories. And I started going to Olelo classes to learn Hawaiian language. When I told my grandmother this, she was surprised, but also excited for me. She didn't speak Olelo Hawaii, and I'm not sure if she ever had an opportunity to. She told me, Bebe, you go learn and you can come back and teach me. So every Sunday, I'd be with her making little index cards with Hawaiian words to study, playing hula with our Hawaiian dictionaries. And she'd tell me about growing up in Waianae, working on her family farm, sharing all her memories and her connections to this place. Both of us discovering our culture and sharing our stories together. It's brought so much healing and fulfillment that I really hold close to my heart. And even after all this, I still question if I'm Hawaiian enough. And I didn't realize it until I started working on this podcast and sat down with the offshore team. So I thought maybe we'd start out just because a lot of this season is about identity mm-hmm. by chatting a little bit about um, how you perceive your identity. 
growing up, I really didn't feel like I was Native Hawaiian enough. And I feel like that's something that's really stuck with me now. It's something that I think about a lot, for sure. Sorry. It's okay. Now that I think about it, it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad that I didn't realize that, like, earlier. I started out this season wanting to know if other people felt this way. Did other people ask themselves, am I Hawaiian enough? And if you leave Hawaii, does that make you less Hawaiian? It was surprising and comforting to know I wasn't alone. To hear how they struggled, but also how they found their own answers to this painful question. And it wasn't until a reporting trip to Mauna Kea that I finally answered this question for myself. Hi. Hi. Kuu from Honolulu Civil Bee. This is my coworker, Blaze. We're actually looking for Kavena. Hi. Oh, hello. Yeah. My coworker, Blaze Lovell, and I went to Mauna Kea to report on young activists. It was summer 2019, and thousands of Native Hawaiian protectors, or kia'i, were camped at the base of the mountain as part of the protest movement against construction of TMT. There was a semi-permanent camp set with tents and food stations and a daily schedule of cultural and activism classes. There's like way more people here. Yeah, it's like the last sure. Sunday was like 3,000 people. Yeah. It was huge. Going into it, I thought, if I'm going to ever do this, this is the best time for me to do it for this cause, with this group, with this intention. I'm glad I'm here. Like, this is where I needed to be. Hawaiians from all over the country were flying there, not just to protest TMT, but also to soak up what to many felt like a pivotal cultural moment. Driving up to the Pu'uhonua with Blaze, I was nervous. I didn't know what to expect. No matter how you feel about the telescopes, the protectors seem as Hawaiian as you can get. They speak Hawaiian, know all the protocol chants and dances, they know the history. And I think this is where my nervousness came in. I wasn't anxious about doing my job as a journalist, but I was nervous about what people would think about me as a Hawaiian. I met the Minami sisters in the afternoon. The youngest, Kealohi, was in Maui when the protests began, staying with her family in Lahaina. So I actually came alone and I just kind of like trusted my na'au, hopped on a plane and like, I was like, hey, what's up? I'm here alone, whatever. And then I convinced <laughs> her to come like a week later yeah. or so. The eldest, Kaylee, came down from their hometown of Cerritos, California. Both girls were born and raised on the West Coast. Being second-generation diaspora Hawaiians, they've struggled to find their place, wondering, Can I really do anything for the community? Am I ever going to really be inside the community? If I always have this diasporic understanding and I'm like a step behind? Not being from Hawaii and not seemingly knowing as much as born and raised Hawaiians lends to some insecurity. Even just like working in the communities here, it's like, do I have the, I guess, repertoire or do I have the ability to really contribute in the ways that other people know and understand, like the aina, like the back of their hand. And it's like, I'm still learning to relate and I'm also still learning the culture since I've been distanced from it. So yeah, there's a lot of self-doubt. But Kealohi thinks of it a little differently from her sister. 
leaning on the new friends she made on the Mauna. Sometimes I feel like I don't know enough and like they'll know and they'll just, you know, like kind of explain things if I have a question or if I just look a little bit confused. You have such a unique perspective being in the diaspora and then coming back here and like learning things and it's a lot of, I have a lot of privilege, I guess, in a sense to have this opportunity to learn so much because so many people in the diaspora just never come back or they just don't have the access to learn these things. So I feel very lucky to have both perspectives. Learning from this time on the Mauna has filled in a lot of gaps in their Hawaiian identity and has started conversations about what it means to be Hawaiian. I even had a conversation with one of our friends, Lei Miley, yesterday, and she's like, I always have that like discussion with my friends, like, am I Hawaiian enough? Like, am I doing what's right for my people? Like, how am I serving our community? And like, just being able to like talk about these things and have a space that's open for all this dialogue is so important. I've been having these kinds of conversations over and over again throughout this season. And even though they start as really vulnerable, there's also a lot of comfort in opening up and realizing that you're not the only one. And it's really about like being yourself and like you really helped facilitate this like dialogue and mm -hmm. space and I'm just super appreciative. Yeah, me too. I'm super appreciative because I feel like a lot of times like since I've been here, it's not like I'm ashamed of being from the diaspora, but it's one of those things, it's like if someone asks, I'll tell them, but otherwise I'm not going to say, I'm from California, you know? It's like kind of just lay low, like kind of blend in. It's almost like code switching in a sense. Yeah. Which kind of sucks because you want to feel like this is your community, but there's still that little barrier. So thank you for opening this dialogue yeah. and like making it feel comfortable to talk about these things. Because we were literally talking about this like two days ago. All of these unsaid things finally out in the open. After having so many of these deeply validating conversations on the Mauna, I was changed. My coworker Blaze summed it up perfectly that we've never felt more at home somewhere we'd never been. I sat down with my editor, Jess, the next day to talk about the reporting trip. Tell us where you just came back from. I just went on a reporting trip with Blaze to Mauna Kea. You seem very energetic right now. Yeah, well, I know, right? Okay, so this is so funny. This morning when I woke up, I was like tired like I'm physically exhausted and like mentally I feel like I have a lot going on but my like my soul feels fulfilled and like emotionally I feel validated when I went up there I really wanted to find people who had grown up in the diaspora and just like understand how they um, felt and how it felt to be here and like it was the most natural conversations I've ever had like these people were my friends I was thinking about it like I've never I've never felt, like, so safe and so comfortable and so connected with people. Like, that, I, like when I was up there, it was, like, almost silly of me to be like, are you Native Hawaiian enough, Ku'u? Like, it's not, like, a feeling that I have to articulate for other people. It's not, like, something that I have to defend. Like, I just am, and I'm going to do everything in my capacity to be that and be that for and a part of this community that I'm in. I know I came in at trying to be, like, professional and being like, yeah, this was, like, a work trip, but it was, like, a very, like, spiritual trip for me also. At the beginning of this season, I confronted this painful question, am I Hawaiian enough? I didn't get an answer to that question because I realized it was the wrong question to ask. Because of course I am. I am Hawaiian, I am part of this Lahui. 
The real question is, where do I, where do all Hawaiians finding their place in the diaspora go from here? Where do Hawaiians go next on this journey? Everyone on the Mauna was so open to talking, and those conversations really had an impact on me. It's what I'll take away from this reporting journey. Having these deep and painful conversations about how everybody who lives in Hawaii has a vested interest in making Hawaii a thriving place. About how people struggle. Do I feel that pain of departure? I do. I also feel the joy of return. About how being Hawaiian isn't something that can be measured or ranked. You are Hawaiian no matter what other people believe. About how you can hold on to and perpetuate your culture. We show them. We show them that we're here. We're alive. There's lots of Hawaiian. About how being Hawaiian lives inside of you, and you don't need an invitation. Just go and join and do that thing. Like, go volunteer at a fish pond. Go volunteer at a lo'i. Go join a halau and learn some hula. And how we can create a home wherever we go. You go down to the ocean, you take off your shoes, you go put your feet in the ocean, and you can feel back home. People need us up here, you know, to, to have those connections. Even just surrounding myself with people and doing a little bit of research online and trying to join these different groups, it's helped me have more of a sense of belonging. When I see someone dance hula and it's really good, I'd be like, hey! Like getting Making it, these connections, building like these bridges. Thing. So I wanted um, to establish what it meant to be Hawaiian. Where did Hawaiians come from? I feel a strength. I feel connected. I feel hope. Hey, Hawaii ao mau amau. We're always Hawaiian, wherever we go, always and forever. This is Offshore, Stories from Hawaii. I'm Ku'u Ka'uanoe. Offshore is produced by Honolulu Civil Beat, a nonprofit news organization dedicated to building an informed community with news you can trust. The Offshore team are myself, Jessica Terrell, April Estrelon, and Claire Caulfield. Offshore's executive producer is Patty Epler. Our engineer this season is Jackie Sojiko. And a special thanks to our Civil Beat events team for coordinating virtual talk story sessions and creating a space for our listeners to connect and share their stories. We have one more talk story session. If you want to hang out with us and other listeners to talk about this season, sign up at offshorepodcast.eventbrite.com. A big mahalo to all of the historians, researchers, kumus, aunties, uncles, and everyone who shared their stories with us. Meeting and connecting with you all has meant so much to me. To support our journalism and help ensure future seasons of Offshore, please visit offshorepodcast.org slash donate. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And catch other seasons of Offshore on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we love hearing from you. So send us your story suggestions, feedback, and general musings on life in Hawaii and America to producer at offshorepodcast.org. Mahalo for listening this season. 
we'll be back.